coming up today. Queer people can respond to it on one level, other people can respond to it onto another level, and that that was always my intention. It's not, it was never just a film about a queer experience, but it was very specific to a queer experience. Welcome to a gay and a non-gay. Hello, welcome to A Gay and a Non-Gay. Welcome to A Gay and a Non-Gay. I'm James Barr, I'm gay, he's Dan Hudson, he's non-gay. Yes, and this week we're joined on the podcast by filmmaker Andrew Haig. We're here to talk about the new film All of Us Strangers, which comes out this Friday. I don't want to give too many spoilers, but I'm just going to quote our mutual friend Jonathan, who says he's still in the fetal position reading from it. (laughs) The fetal position. (laughs) I think I was in the fetal position as well, but for very different reasons. There were a lot of hot scenes in that movie. There are quite a lot of hot. I like the idea of people being in a fetal position. We should always be in that position all the time. Uh, no, there are, yeah. There's definitely, you know, there's hot, hot, sad scenes. Hot and sad scenes. Which is literally my, my kink, to be honest. And I yeah. see, seemingly yours as well from seeing some of your other films. <laughs> Can we talk about your other movie, The Weeknd, briefly? Because it is so beautiful. And I remember watching it when it, when it came out. And it just like hit me. I was like, oh my God, this is my life. And I'm not sure my life has really changed <laughs> since then. I feel like I'm just living in a loop of the weekend all the time. And so many gay men I know say similar things. I don't have a question really, Andrew. I just really <laughs> needed to tell you that. Because it's just, a, it's so beautiful, as is this new movie. Well, I'm sorry you're stuck in a loop. I think you maybe need to try and get yourself out of that loop somehow. But no, no, it's amazing that film. Like I, you know, I made it not knowing if anyone would ever see it. You know, it's 11 years old now, whatever. It's 12 years old. We didn't make, you know, we had no money to make it. And so the fact that people still watch it and talk about it and talk to me about it and say that it's been important to them is really cool. Like you don't, you know, that doesn't happen with everything that you do. So it's like, yeah, it makes me very happy that it's still sort of, is saying something to people. Please don't age me by saying how old that film is again. <laughs> 11 you know, you, years ago. I can't believe you could see it. You look about 10 years old. You must have been like, I've got my Zoom filter on. Don't worry. Yeah. You must have been like, you know, fetus when you watch that film. Um, like no, I'm older than you think, but I t- I've got my touch-up appearance turned up to max on Zoom. So yeah, that's, that's what good it is. lighting as well. I can see this good lighting. Yeah, it's all about the lighting. How do you find these stories? Where do they come from? Um, I don't know, really. I mean, look, Weekend was original screenplay. This All of Us Strangers is loosely adapted from a from a book. But it's just whatever speaks to me, I guess. And you things start kind of bubbling up in you as you're thinking about projects. And, you know, it's always what am I interested in talking about? What's annoying me about the world and about myself? And what do I want to try and explore a little bit? So you just kind of listen to what it is that that's speaking to you at any time and then try and follow that a little bit. Both of these stories are very lonely i would say are you a lonely person <laughs> well i don't think i am but like i'm not i don't sit in my room staring out the window all day like with a single tear falling down my cheek <laughs> but i do think that you know uh aloneness or loneliness is something that everybody has to does it or most people experience it's certainly something i have experienced a lot in in my life and i think it never sort of really goes away I think especially if you feel slightly on the outside of things in the world growing up or as a teenager or even as an adult, and that doesn't have to just be because you're gay or your sexuality or anything. You always just feel like you're certainly on the outside looking in and that can can lead to feelings of uh, aloneness, let's say. Yeah, because there's a quote from um, Mescal's character in it where he talks about, I've always felt like, he says, I've always felt like a stranger in my own family. Obviously, that's about being queer. He says it's not really anyone's fault, but I don't know it. 
is it anyone's fault? I kind of, I heard that and thought, well, it sort of is someone's fault. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think it is. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's almost like, and I think I can't remember Adam's response to it, but he sort of has a look that is what you're saying now. It's like, well, I'm not sure that's true. And I guess it's not true, but it's also very complicated whose fault it is because it can be the fault of let's say in the story it can be the fault of the parents for not understanding their children it can be also the fault of the world we live in it can be the fault of us ourselves pulling away because we don't want to uh, embrace certain things or talk about certain things or have any kind of conflict so we're all sort of part of the process which makes it complicated to get to know each other um so i always think that it's it's too simplistic to say you know that one person's bad and one person's good. It's just a mess of complications, which is why so many of us feel a little bit isolated in life. And that, again, isn't just in families. That can be in lots of different things. I'm going to let the non-gay ask the question in a second. <laughs> but follow-up question. <laughs> Quick follow-up on that. Have you, When you write something like this, when you produce a movie like this, you, you obviously have to go to places in your own life to find things that you relate to and to find that loneliness somewhere. Have you sort of worked through that yourself, that feeling of, of being alone and not necessarily fitting in different spaces? I think it's just a sort of lifelong quest, isn't it, really? I think a lot of the time, I'm, I mean, they talk about it in the movie. A lot of the time, of course, I'm absolutely fine, but then it doesn't take much to suddenly feel like you used to feel, which is what the movie is essentially exploring. And I think what so many of us feel, you can feel pretty confident and okay in your life, and then you can suddenly be in a room of people and you feel like a child again, or you can be with your parents and you can feel like an irritated child again. And it's so easy to go back to you know, different ways of being, how you used to feel growing up or in your teens or in your 20s, whatever that might be. So I think I'm always trying to sort of, you know, work my way through stuff. In many ways, the film was that for me. It was like me working through some of my own things uh, and putting it into a, into into the film. Oh, I love it even more now. Um, talking of sort of feeling like a child, you filmed the, I don't know if you know this or not, James, but the, the, the house that's used in, in the film is your, old house no. Andrew right where you grew up yeah it was yeah it was, weird. it was a weird choice it was I think it was an insane well I don't know it was an insane choice but it you know it was a it was when I was writing it you know when you're writing you're imagining something in your head obviously and it's about someone going back to their childhood home so I just kept thinking of my own one and I hadn't been there for 40 years that place you know I didn't my family don't live there so going back into it again was a strange experience. And then also recreating the inside of it to look like it used to look when I was there. So I was like going back through old photos and going back into my memory bank and um, working out like, oh God, yeah, it used to look like this. And this is what the carpet was like. And this is what the thing, what everything looked like. So, and then filming in it, you know, suddenly I'm in my old bedroom or I'm in my parents' old bed but now there's like Andrew Scott and Claire Foy and James <laughs> Bell and some like weird version of my parents. So it was, yeah, it was unusual, let's say, an unusual experience. Would you say you're the Andrew Scott of the story then? Are you that character? I always think that I've, with all of the things I've made, I'm a little bit of everybody. I think that is the, the truth of it. You know, I don't think I am. I'm not exactly like that character, Andrew Scott. Well, I'm not, like, not him at all, his character. But I'm bits of him and I'm bits of Paul and I'm bits of the mum and I'm bits of the dad. I feel like mm. when I'm writing, all of the characters become elements of me in conversations I have, you know, in myself. And that's what kind of comes out into the into the characters. 
So I use bits of myself and the bits of other people, obviously, partners and my family and whoever it might be. Going back to your childhood home, we, you just touched on this too, because I went home for Christmas. It feels like you're going back into a factory reset, doesn't it? You kind of, you get home and you, you start again in safe mode and it takes you a few weeks to sort of build yourself back up to the person you are now. You went literally back into your childhood home to make this film, to feel all those, all of those emotions and then put it out into the world. Was that cathartic? Did that feel good in the end? It, it, well, it was a weird and it, it was definitely a cathartic. It was strange and a bit nerve wracking. It felt like a bit exposing in many ways. Like I was going back into that place and, you know, no one has to know that it's my house, but of course I keep talking about it now. So I thought at one point when I made the film, I'm like, you know what? I'm just not going to do any press. I'm not going to talk about anything. I'm just going to put the film out there. And of course that never happens. So then you do end up talking about all of those things. But it's definitely been, it's been cathartic, you know. It's funny when you go back to somewhere where you used to grow up. And I think it's even when you go and see your parents again, uh, if they're still alive, obviously, then you feel like you're 14 again. You act like you're 14. You become a child. You become angry and annoyed and you don't want to talk to them and you go and hide in your room. And I'm amazed. I'm like 50 years old now. And then suddenly I can be like I'm a teenager again. And it's very strange how you can fly back in time. I'm so interested to know how you got to where you are now, because with The weekend, like that's such a pivotal moment in queer cinema. And I think you're probably a bit of a trailblazer in terms of queer cinema at this point. How do you think your journey as a child got you to where you are now? Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because even though, you know, it took me so long to even um, like come to terms with my sexuality. It took me, I didn't come out until I was in my mid twenties, I guess. Um, and it took me, and maybe even a little bit later than that, so it took me a long time to be able to feel slightly comfortable. So the fact that I'm even making these films is sort of insane to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I can go around the world and stand on a stage in front of like hundreds of people and talk about it. Whereas when I was in, even in my, when I was at university, let's say, I was still in the closet. And I, the idea of even saying the word I'm gay or I'm queer would have been impossible. So it's, it's quite an amazing thing for me to see how that progression has happened. And I don't really know how it's happened. I think I just got tired of pretending to be someone else for such a long time. But then when I finally did be a bit more honest, I was like, wait, fuck it. I'm just going to like go for it now. Um, then it sort of changed everything. I mean, I started actually being more open about things, it, you know, all sort of moved forward. You've said that you're not that fussed about um, the discussion that exists around queer people playing queer roles. But on this particular one, it did really matter to you with Andrew. Why is that? I think it just, it certainly mattered for Andrew because I, there's so much in the film that is about like the nuance of, let's say growing up gay in a certain generation. So growing up in the 1980s as a queer kid was a very specific generation uh, and a very specific feeling. And so, there's so much subtlety involved in that that I didn't really want to have someone play that role that didn't understand that and understand it on like a visceral level. Yeah. So when they're in a scene talking about something, they don't have to try and imagine what would it have been like to have been, you know, gay in 1986 or whatever. Because <laughs> you knew what it was like to be gay yeah. in 1986. You knew how horrendous it was. It's a really, it's easy to forget now, but it was not a good time in the 1980s it was pretty horrendous so i wanted someone that 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 like understood that on a sort of almost like biological level could feel it in his body um but outside of that i think it's all about who's right for the role and you the truth is you just need to think carefully about who you're casting and i think very carefully about who i'm casting 
Um, and that becomes the most important thing. And sometimes you need to have a queer person playing a queer role. Um, and sometimes it's less important, I suppose. Mm. So who came first in the in this casting? Was it Andrew first and then and then Paul and then everything sort of fit into place? Yeah, it was Andrew came first and then Claire, then Jamie, then Paul. Paul was the last one to come on board. He wasn't available to start with and then he became available, which was good. And I'd spoken to him a few times before and yeah, it just it all kind of sort of came together. And I think once Andrew was cast, I think the others were really excited to work with Andrew. Like Claire was so excited to play his mother and Jamie was excited <laughs> to play his father and some weird, whatever this weird thing is. And, and Paul was really was so excited to work with Andrew. So when you work with people that really want to work with each other, it creates a sort of inherent chemistry. God, look at you. What? You were just a boy. But now you're not. The dynamic with Claire is amazing and the way that she is learning about gay people being allowed to marry now, etc., is so chilling because it's, it's kind of the conversations I had with my mum, I suppose, when I was younger in a way. And, um, and, and it's still going to be very much part of conversations in households across the country and world, regardless of, of how many rights that you have. Um, again, not a question, just, <laughs> just a reflection. <laughs> it's true. I think it's so funny. Like everybody, you know, every, nowadays you assume that everybody's going to be great with it. It's all fine. Everyone can just accept everything. And it's still not the case that everybody just accepts everything. Mm. And I think for, for parents, and I actually wanted to be quite compassionate to the parents because it's really easy to vilify them, uh, all parents, for having an issue, for having, for finding the fact that their child is queer complicated because a lot of parents have an idea of what they think their kid's life is going to be. And then suddenly that can change. And I'm, I'm very like, I understand that the older I've got now, of course there's variations of that and luckily things are changing. So people understand it a lot more, but yeah, back then the idea that in the future gay people would be able to get married would have been insane for people to imagine in the eighties. I would never have imagined it. I don't think I would ever imagine it in the 90s. Like it was, it didn't seem like it was ever be a possibility. Maybe it's not a good possibility. I don't know. What <laughs> Maybe do we're going to come to <laughs> No, I don't. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's a wonderful thing. But now all all us like queer people have to worry about, oh God, do we have to get married now? I know, I know. Saying, well, I won't be expecting the proposal anytime soon. Don't worry. <laughs> I think that her choice though, in playing that, chill like cold but also filled with love still and trying to understand it is yeah it's absolutely brilliant i love it it's yeah so good. She, she really nailed that i think because i you know you don't want to like hate her i mean and everything is that she loves her son there's no doubt that she doesn't love her son and will always love her son she's just trying to navigate the mm. complications Talking of, of complications, it's quite a complex film. And what, what, what struck out to me was it, it was exactly on the right line the whole time of not being ludicrous, but it felt like it could step over at any point. <laughs> was yeah. that something you were thinking about whilst making it? It was something I was terrified about. Like right. I was terrified even writing the script. I remember just before we started shooting and I was like talking to my partner and I was like, I'm not sure any of this is going to work. <laughs> 
Like really? this could be an absolute disaster. You know, because if you you could find it ludicrous. You could be like, why is he talking to these parents? Why are they that? Why do they look like that? But they feel like ghosts, but they're not really ghosts. And you know, he's this Claire's singing along to the Pet Shop Boys around a Christmas tree, and he's getting into bed in these pajamas. And so much of it could be really, really ridiculous. And I was worried about that. But then as we started filming, I just felt, well, do you know what? It seems to not feel ridiculous. It seems to make sense. And I think it's so easy for us to to sort of, if you can suspend your disbelief and you can create this this world, you do believe sort of everything and anything. Well, it's, um, inter- it's interesting because Dan, I think Dan wrote this question, but he's written it for me to ask you, do queer <laughs> people experience time differently? And I think that's why this works because I do think we sort of do experience time differently. I think I think time is a, is complicated for queer people. I think it's changing. I really think that as as the world has progressed, it's becoming less like this, which I think is good. But you know, for a lot of queer people, we live in a sort of time is a slightly strange thing. We don't grow up in the way that other kids grow up. We look back differently at our childhoods. We get a lot of us are nostalgic for something we never actually had and are sort mm-hmm. of chasing that safety of childhood that lots of us didn't feel like we had at that time. And lots of us end up living our teenage years when we're in our 20s and into our 30s and sometimes into our 40s. And we're still acting like we're, we're, we're teenagers. And, you know, we don't have, we traditionally didn't have the same markers that straight people are given. You know, they're given them by culture. So it's not necessarily always a good thing for straight people either. But you have sort of have markers like, oh, you'll probably settle down by this age and you'll get married by this age and you'll do this and then you'll have kids. Um, but I do think that's changing, obviously, now because it's a different world. And I, I think that's why the timeline of this movie works so beautifully, though. I think it kind of fits with our our own journey of figuring out our childhood trauma. Like, that's not going to happen when you're 20. Like, you need to go back when you're in your 40s or your 50s. And so I think, in a way, that's why it's so brilliant. Should we talk about the ending briefly without saying anything that might ruin it? Sure. How did you decide you wanted it to be like that? I think I always knew instinctually that it was supposed to be like that. I mean, I think what's what's interesting is for me, it's easy to see this as that it's a love story, right? Mm. And then be sort of like, what's happening towards the end without giving too much away? Yeah. But to me, it's not actually a love story. It's a story about love. And they're two different things. And so I think if you if you are expecting it to be a sort of a romance between these two people then you might be wanting something different to be happening at the end. But for me, it's actually about trying to understand love on a deeper level and what's it about and what it needs to be for other people and how we need to treat other people and how we need to let other people in and how we need to be compassionate and all of those kind of things that I think is what Adam's journey is about understanding. And so even though there is this ending that may be a surprise to some people, I think if you sort of, for me anyway, it's saying something one level deeper about the nature of love, especially love in relationship to loss that need that for me was the thing I wanted to tell. And what is that that it's saying to you? I'm, I'll just let that be for the audience. <laughs> what? But I do, you know, I, I think love is a very complicated thing. And I think that, that love is about what you give to somebody else more than what they give to you. And so I think that's, you know, parents love their children. And that's essentially what we want from all kinds of relationships. We want to be cared for and be com- and have compassion towards us. But we also need to give that to someone else. That's why it's quite complicated as you're an adult. Because when you're a child, you're used to just the love coming one way. And then as an adult, you have to sort of return it with your romantic partner. And so I think it is about, about trying to understand that the importance of it is that 
you need to be there for somebody and also that you can lose love and you can find it again and our life will be a succession of losing the people that we love even partners like we're very unlikely to end up dying on the same day as our partner if we're lucky enough to have a partner of that age lots of queer people lost a lot of people you know young you know a whole generation of people so yeah there's lots of stuff going on yeah i mean and still do for different reasons like drugs etc so it's a really beautiful important ending i've obviously seen a lot of memes i'm sure you have as well is this a bruce willis sixth sense type vibe can (laughs) can he see dead people is that what's going on or is it is it deeper than that i think it's deeper than that but i just wanted to ask you the question yeah i don't sort of care about that like he can see dead people type thing for me i mean i don't i try not to watch too many memes but it's like the if anything for me the film becomes like a manifestation or a representation of adam's longing and what he needs from the world and look all films they're written from an imagination of someone's head and then they're put out onto the screen and essentially that's what it is it you know of course it's not real i mean films aren't real unless they're a documentary they're like a fiction they are a creation they are a representation of an idea and so i don't worry too much about who's a ghost and what does it mean to be a ghost and who can see a ghost because they don't really act like normal ghosts i mean they don't like you know you can touch them in the story and they exist and you can have sex with them and yeah uh last question on that note how do you feel that you have successfully allowed a straight man um or forced a straight man to watch gay sex scenes uh, in (laughs) cinema that to me is a massive achievement that's my that's the only reason i've ever done it is to make straight people sit in the cinema straight men and feel a little bit uncomfortable and then hopefully a little bit aroused at the same time <laughs> and then they have to go back home and lie in their bed and go oh god i quite like looking at that. that was quite enjoyable <laughs> and then throw them into a deep deep existential crisis about whether they're secretly gay and then hopefully ruin their relationships well, funnily enough, I mean, I'm not, I'm not gay, clearly, but it did, the film spoke to me on a number of levels. A, because my mum died quite recently, and B, because I recently moved back in with my dad. <laughs> so actually, it did struck quite a number of nerves on that front. Yeah, but not the gay sex, but not that, okay. not that bit. Well, no, let us know. <laughs> Change your mind. What's, so what's been really interesting is that so many uh, different people seem to be responding to the film. Like queer people can respond to it on one level, other people can respond to it onto another level, and that that was always my intention. It's not it was never just a film about a queer experience but it was very specific to a queer experience but it's not only just about that so that was always that's always my hope that you know it's not just for us gays well i think that's the thing the queer experience is kind of everyone's experience if they allow themselves to just literally be themselves maybe it's been amazing chatting to you like even more enjoyable than watching the film it's been so good getting into where it's come from and where you're at like thank you for sharing all of that with us my pleasure thank you cheers guys (laughs) 